Over the last few months, obviously, we have been kind of focusing on the importance of memorizing Scripture, getting the Word of God into our heart, right? So we have, as a matter of fact, we'll do them here in a moment just to kind of refresh all this because we don't want them to get lost. We don't want these verses of Scripture that we've worked so hard to somehow get a handle on, to master, somehow to dissipate, and they will unless you kind of keep it fresh. Uh, so we'll do that. <clears throat> but I, um, I have a sense... You know, there is in me uh, something that senses when something is not balanced. I'm not trying to pin any medals on myself. I'm just simply saying there, I have kind of a, a, a keen sensitivity to something when it's not, when it's not balanced. And <clears throat> when it comes to the memorization of the word, there's another aspect to all of this. Or there's, another, there's another, I don't know if the right word is a discipline, but there's another aspect of our walk with the Lord that has to also be in play for all of this to actually mature and ripen to the point where it's producing the kind of outcome that, um, that the Lord has in mind. So on one hand, yeah, we're memorizing the word and we're getting the word of God into our minds, into our heart, and you get saturated with it, and it has power. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, says Scripture, right? Piercing down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, down to the very thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God is a powerful tool. I went back over some of my messages over the last little while, listening to the superlatives I'm rolling out. This is the most important, but it's that way every week. It's always the most important thing in the world. So that's just the way it is, I guess. <clears throat> but there's another aspect to this matter of uh, memorizing the word, which complements it, that would be the best way, it, which complements it, enhances it, like empowers it, <clears throat> and, and really brings life into it. So I want to talk about that today, um, because we want, I want to move away from or out of the, what we've been kind of in focus, all, all focused on for the last little while, with memorizing scripture to a different, a, a different focus. Are you with me? Shall we go? We shall. So first, let's all stand together and we will um, review these passages of Scripture. And I think I missed one here, so <clears throat> uh, my apologies on that. I think I missed the third one, so I'll, I'll say it. You don't have to, because we don't have that one there. But here we go. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, let me hear you all say it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And then we just carried it forward into the fifth chapter, of, uh, or backwards, um, to the fifth chapter of that, uh, of that book, and we learn Romans 5, 1 through 5. Here we go. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured into, 
our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then, uh, then we have, I don't, this is where I think we missed this one. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, Romans 5, so we just, now we just dragged it along down further into that because we don't want to miss this one thought about God's love, how God has manifested his love. So let's do that passage. For when we were still without strength, in due time, for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then the passage that we're learning for this month, which is found in John chapter nine, is from the story of Lazarus. Here we go. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Amen. Let's take a moment and just commit ourselves and our time and our thoughts <clears throat> and our attention to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, for all that you have given. You have blessed us immensely, wonderfully. And we thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the saving work that you're doing in our lives by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for not getting frustrated. Thank you for not getting tired of us or just frustrated with our, our mistakes or our excuses or whatever. But you just keep on working like we sang before. You just never stop where even when I don't see it, you're working. When I don't feel it, you're working. You just keep on working to fulfill your plan of redemption because you care more about the outcome of my life than I do. You are more concerned with the well-being and the fruitfulness of my life than even I am. And so I thank you, Lord God, for the great grace that is upon each and every life, each and every soul that's in this room. Great grace is upon us. And so, Lord God, we just pray that today as we, as we uh, kind of shift our focus a little bit, that you will direct our thinking, direct our, our attention, um, that we, we can <clears throat> simply grow, mature, develop, in our faith. Fill us by your Holy Spirit, we pray, O oh Lord God, that we might live lives that are pleasing and glorifying to you. We pray this now in Jesus' name and for his sake and all of God's people said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Okay, <clears throat> so we, we've focused obviously on all the uh, passages having to do with memorizing the word and I, and I think we just need to continue that. That's just a good discipline. That's just a wise discipline. And you'll be surprised how quickly like you know more scripture than you imagined you could know. You'll have passages in your minds, whole psalms will come to your thinking passages that are from the Gospels, and, and, and it is such a valuable tool. Your word, David said, I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's nothing that kind of rises up to challenge wrong thinking or sinful thinking or whatever, like having the word of God, and it's like, eh, and then, okay, we gotta, we gotta get off that track and get back on the right track. So the word of God... Um, is, is a vital tool for spiritual growth. And also there are promises associated with memorizing it. That's where we went through Psalm 1, or we touched on that a couple times. You know, blesses the man, walks not in the counsel of the, of, the, of the ungodly. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. 
you know, that when his leaf also shall not wither, whatever he, whatsoever he does will prosper. Ah, I like that. I want that. Okay? And so here's a, here God is telling me, do this. Do this. You, and, and that comes with it. It comes as a, a you know, a, a, a side dish, you know, with all the other focus. And, and that's the amazing, God knows the secret things. And a lot, of, a lot of times when we're doing something like memorizing scripture, it's a secret thing. I mean, we, we come here together, we say it all together and stuff like that, but it's not a boastful thing. Or, it, it's something that we are doing which is very private, very, very personal. It's just, it's right here. It's just vertical. And those vertical things, it's like what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's pretty cool. All right, the father who sees the secret thing. So there, there should be the secret things going on, right? He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my rock and my fortress, my refuge. In him I will trust, right? Abiding in the secret place of the Most High and just doing things that are just known to, to God, right? The times we pray, the t- t- attention we give to the word of God. As a matter of fact, as a general rule, I would say that the less you wear your Christianity on the outside, the better. The, the gold in the temple was all on the inside. So they had to burn the place down to get the gold to melt, to be able to rob the temple and steal the gold. But the gold was all on the inside. And that's just so true about spirituality. The gold is all on the inside. And the, the less we kind of have to show it or wear it, the better. Because people don't appreciate it anyway. In other words, people don't appreciate true spirituality. They think you're a fool for loving Jesus, for coming to church, for paying your tithe, for committing your life to the Lordship of Jesus. They think that's just ridiculous and stupid. It's, according to the Bible, foolishness to those who, who are not, you know, who have not been made alive yet by the Spirit. So anyway, um, this, this idea of memorizing the word is a very personal thing that we do, and, the, and it may be that the only one who ever really knows about it is God, but he, the Father who sees in secret, shall reward you openly. What we're going to talk about today, you know, is the same thing that he said to, uh, to Joshua when he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, for in so doing you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So he told Joshua, he's got a big assignment. But you have to focus on one thing. And like Paul's saying, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things that are behind, pressing onward to those things that are ahead. I press on to the, um, to the heavenly calling of Christ, in Christ Jesus. So um, because God has promised to bless the word, we should be, take time to, uh, to uh, memorize the word. But, um, but if we don't get this other aspect in the mix, um, we will be unbalanced, we will find, and, and again, that's the thing that I tend to just have a sensitivity to when something is, is a little out of balance. Um, and I have found that unbalanced or errant or erroneous Bible teaching falls into kind of two categories or two, somewhat kind of like two extremes, okay? Um, how many like to eat junk food? Okay, good. All right, now usually junk food comes in two vari- one of two varieties, okay? It's either... Salty or it's sweet? Okay, how many like the salty stuff? Okay, 
How many like the sweet stuff? How many like all the stuff? Right? They're a junk food junkie, right? Now, I find that um, spiritually, potentially unbalanced teaching will be one of those two things. It will be too sweet, okay? When, when somebody is teaching things and they are so sweet and everything is good and God so loves us and longs for, you know what I mean? Like, like, and, and painting this picture of this emotionally driven God who just, just can't get enough of me. You know what I mean? And, and, and like he's gonna take care of every need and every little problem. My hangnail, oh, come on, we get prayed for that. that. We're gonna take care of that this morning. And you know, there'll be no suffering. There'll be no trials. There'll be no tribulations. You don't need any character. You don't need, right? I mean, there's a, there's, there's a lot of teaching like that, which is like, it's all good. Don't worry, no sweat. Be cool, have fun. And then, there, so it's too sweet. It's too sweet. It's too, or there's the kind of teaching that is too salty. It's all austere. It's all, you know, we got to be on fire and you got to be walking with God. You need to be like, you know what I mean? Like you need to be uh, responding to the discipline of the Holy Spirit. And it can be like very, very strong type teaching. And that's too much too. But somewhere in the balance is Pastor Steve. Somewhere in the center, hopefully. Um, But just simply to say that the teaching that I want to uh, bring us into today And this has been one of the most challenging teachings of my life, or one of the most challenging subjects or topics of my life, because I have felt that there is a lot of imbalance in this particular topic. Um, Now, just to give you a little bit of background, um, when Lorraine and I got saved, we got saved in a hyper-Pentecostal church. I don't know if everybody understands that concept here, but a hyper-Pentecostal church is a church that is very Holy Spirit-oriented, right? Everything is about gifts of the Holy Spirit, ministries of the Holy Spirit. There's never a service when there are not three or four or five people giving messages in tongues and interpreting those kinds of things. And then we went to a Bible college, so we were saved. I got saved... In April of 78, we got married in July of 78, and we were off to Bible college by September of 78, and the Bible college was um, the, the uh, uh, principal of the president of the Bible college was the brother of the pastor of the church that we got saved in. And so we went from a full tilt, on fire, Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, fire baptized church to a 10 times more Bible college, and, and, and I'm not complaining about any of it or saying that any of it was not good. But it, in, in being so immersed in that particular thing, there were just a lot of things I felt like, oh, it, 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 it kind of goes off the rails a little bit sometimes. So anyway, in, in trying to teach the truth of what it is that I want to present to us this morning, I've, I've found myself a lot of times just kind of tiptoeing around. And, uh, and, and so that's been a challenge for me. Because what I want to talk to us about today, or what I want us to think about and kind of get ramped up for, is the person, the work, the ministry, the function of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That, so what I'm saying is that if it's, if it's all word, but there's no spirit, I'll put up a, a little graphic later on, but you, you probably know it. All word, no spirit, we dry up. All spirit, no word, you blow up, right? Proper spirit, proper word, you grow up, right? And so, and so in, in going through this whole section of, and, and kind of 
uh, and without apology, making emphasis or, or, or placing great emphasis on this idea that it is wise to get the word of God in your mind and in your heart. It is life-giving and it's, and it's fruitful. And the Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. So you're doing something that God will ultimately bless. He's promised to bless it. But it needs to be kept in balance with my relationship with God in the Holy Spirit. And I find maybe, maybe um, I'm a very, I'm like an analytical type, so uh, somebody, you put that up there. Way to go, Danny. You saw the ball, this guy. Right, all word, no spirit, you dry up. <clears throat> all spirit, no word, you blow up. All word, both word and spirit, you grow up. That's, that's the idea. But I, um, I tend to come into being a Christian with a very analytical mind. It's like I, I, I understand faith and I understand that there are certain things that just have to be received and accepted by faith. And faith is the very um, function by which those things are drawn into our life. Um, but there is a, um, there's, a, there's a delicate balance here. Uh, and, and the two things actually work in harmony. So the Spirit of God, see the Spirit of God was the original author of the Bible. Everybody knows that, right? And so when I'm memorizing it, I am like reciting the programming back to the programmer. And that's, what the, that's the value of the word of God. It is spiritual programming. It, is, it helps us to get our thinking. You know, we're, you no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how it works. That's how it happened. I've got to get my mind reprogrammed. I've got to, you know, God says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, bud. <laughs> Neither are my ways your ways, for as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and that whole thing. So there's got to be an exchange here somewhere, and the exchange is I'm going to pitch my old stinking thinking for God's perfectly righteous, true, glorious, holy thinking in the, as expressed in his word. So, um, so that's the component, that's, that's the, uh, the balance that I think will, will bring even more emphasis, more fruitfulness out of this whole process of memorizing the word and will add a whole other aspect to it. So for the next few weeks, I would like to, by, uh, through our preaching and teaching, just preaching and teaching to emphasize uh, for us to get better acquainted with the importance of the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and, and also to encourage the vital connection, because this is another one of those things that will take some time. This is another one of those things that, like, to, in order for this thing to develop, it'll take some time where you just kind of sit alone, where you wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Read the whole passage from Isaiah chapter 40. But waiting upon the Lord, Psalm 27, you know, when he says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Waiting on him will make you strong. Wait, says the psalmist, I say, on the Lord. And so there's just, there, there's the two aspects of one, getting the programming, getting the right information to program myself for success in terms of spirituality so that my mind is thinking God's thoughts after him. And then secondarily, to wait upon the Lord that he might allow his presence, the richness of his spirit and his presence to become more and more discernible and knowable to me so that we can, we can begin to have relationship with God. So, so that's what we want to stay focused on for the next couple of weeks. It'll balance us out. The importance, importance of the Holy Spirit as the author, as the, as the 
director, as, as the revealer. You know, there's that, there's that passage of scripture, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter two, where he talks about, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Rats. So I can't hear it, I can't see it, and I can't think about it. So how am I gonna get a handle on this? Well, he goes on to say, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. You see, he's the agent, he's the director. This is why he's, he's the... He's the, he's the mover, he's the discharger, he's, he got this thing started in us. It was the Holy Spirit who was dealing with you, bringing you into a place perhaps of being convicted for your lifestyle or convicted the way that you're doing or being convinced that this story of Jesus and this message that's in the Bible and the Word of God is real and true, but that was what he was doing along the way as other people were sowing into that process and it finally, ultimately, thank God, culminated in your salvation, in you coming to a place where you say, I, I believe this thing, I'm on board. So that was all the Holy Spirit doing his groundwork, doing his kind of like secret thing the whole time, and then boom, it ignites, it happens at a certain time. And um, so anyway, um, he's the one who is in charge of the whole project. He got it started, we're born of the Spirit, he reveals it along the line, God has revealed it to us by his Spirit, because the Spirit searches all the things of, of God, the deep things, all of, that, all of that matter as well. So the Spirit of God, is the, he's the dynamic agent. As a matter of fact, that very word is used in Acts chapter one, when Jesus is speaking to the apostles who are not quite clear on what the agenda is supposed to be. Now that Jesus, Jesus has died on the cross, he's been raised from the grave, he has walked with them for 40 days now, after 40 days he is telling them goodbye. That, that all by itself amazes me, that Jesus would reduce himself to come to earth, first of all live a life of humility for 30 years, then endure all of the annoyance of ministry and the people who are like hassling him all the way along the line, then submit himself to be crucified, right? Then come back from crucifixion, being raised from the dead, and then say to these 12 guys, or the, you know, this, this kind of little group, this little posse of people that have been put together, none of whom are pros, but all of whom are just like, Regular people, one's a tax collector, a couple of them are fishermen. You know, they're from all over the board, but they're anything but religious professional types. Okay? They're just regular people. And he decides, all right, I'm leaving, and I'm going to send my spirit back, and he's going to take care of the whole thing, so later. See ya. That, this is the kind of confidence that Christ has in the power and working of his spirit that he would take the whole project. He wasn't leaving it to Peter and James and John and Paul and Andrew and all the rest. He was leaving it to the Holy Spirit. And to, and to demonstrate that, he told them very clearly, I think these are verses that are coming right up here. Yeah. <clears throat> he said to them very clearly, behold, this is the end of the Gospel of Luke, okay? The last of the Gospel of Luke, and, of, um, also, and it's important to know that Luke also not only writes the Gospel of Luke, but he's also the author of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, 
So Luke is going to end, this is chapter 4, chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke, and then he's going to pick the whole thing back up in the first chapter of Acts and continue the thing. He's, the, the Gospel was what Jesus did. Now the book of Acts is going to be what the, it's, many people have said it's, it ought to be, instead of the Acts of the Apostles, it ought to be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because in every case, whenever something dynamic is going on, it is the function and work of the Holy Spirit who is expressing himself through these individuals, through these otherwise usually wrong, often, um, you know, just like often usually unspiritual and unknowledgeable, and they're just like a a bunch of boneheads, like I am. I, I would say the same thing about myself, and probably all of us, if you're honest. You said, I don't know how God's getting any, any mileage out of my life. I, I would just be a loser on my own. But God himself, he likes to take losers. So anyway, he likes, he likes to use losers because then he gets the glory. Then it's obvious. God and I are, are totally on the same page about this. I am a bonehead. He is the Lord. If I just keep it together and don't wreck it for him, he's going to be able to get something really good done here along the way. Hallelujah. And that's the same in your life. That is the same in every life here. We are all losers. We are boneheads. We are not spiritual by nature. We don't get it. Okay, we can go in this thing, we can be a part of this for years and years and years and years and still not really even have begun to really see the value, the glory, the incredible thing that God has drawn us into by making us a part of his church, by saving us and drawing us into fellowship with himself and then empowering us and placing his spirit. That's where I was gonna go a minute ago. When, when we get to the, the, um, the first chapter, the, the disciples are characteristically asking the wrong question. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? (laughs) Uh, No, guys, sorry. But he doesn't really say it like that. He says, you know, it's, it's not for you guys to know the times and the seasons. All that kind of stuff the Father has placed under his own power. But you will receive power. You will receive power. And everybody in the room should hear that right now, okay? You will receive power. Power, and that power, the word is dunamis. What word have we gotten from that? You've heard it a zillion times, right? Dunamis, dynamic, dynamite. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will become witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. In other words, this is the equipment that you need. It's like when Jesus is speaking in John chapter 16 and he says, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When he, the Holy Spirit has come, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but he'll take what is mine and he's gonna give it to you. This is kind of the pattern in the divine being. Each one exalts the other. We'll maybe talk about that in a little while. But um, uh, so in, in, this, uh, in this whole matter of um, dynamic power, we have been promised you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me. And so that's why we have these two passages here. Here's the end of the Gospel of Luke. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high, okay? That is just a simple recipe, a simple formula for every believing person. 
We have to be endued with power from on high. There has to be a, there has to be an endowment of spiritual power and one of, my, one of my issues all along the years is that you know, many people within that hardcore Pentecostal community have a dogma that basically says, if you do not speak with other tongues, you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you are Billy Graham. I don't care if you're Bill Gothard. You're not speaking other tongues, Billy Graham's not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thought, how can anybody be that dense? How can, how can that possibly be? And, and so the, the doctrine became something that I thought began to just give a, give a wrong impression of the whole thing. Now, I don't know, I'm just really like, really getting honest with you. I don't know what the evidence is of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Tongues is one of them, for sure. And, if, and, and I, I believe, you know, Paul asked the question, do all people speak with tongues? And the obvious answer is saying no. But Paul also says, I wish you, I, I, I speak with tongues more than you all. I wish you all spoke with tongues. But I don't want to make tongues the thing. I get crazy when, it, you know what I mean? Like I don't want to make that the thing because that's where it goes sideways. Okay, because the thing is not tongues. The thing is the spirit of God. That's a wrong way to say it. But the person, the importance is the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And I don't know what he's going to do in you and how he's going to manifest himself in you and how he's going to, what kind of evidence there's going to be in your life that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to leave that to you. Just have some, will you? <laughs> right? That's, that is what I think is important. It's like the one guy said, I'm not a, I'm not a judge. I'm just a fruit inspector. Right? There should be some fruit on this tree. Right? There should be some fruit on this, on this plant here. And so that's all. And, and so ra that rather than get bogged down in one specific, this is what's going to happen, this is how it's going to work. And like I, 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 uh, that's been, that, that has been a challenge for me. And so I, uh, I'm re I re resisting that. Oh, nuts. Oh, well. My uh, screen just opened. <laughs> anyway, so Jesus promises, and, and the, the whole point with all of this, and throughout, let me, let me get back to these, this other passage of Scripture, because this is the end of the Gospel of Luke. Then we jump into the book of Acts, and it says this, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. Whoops. For John truly baptized. <laughs> it's moving around. For John truly baptized. Ah, there we go. Wait for the promise, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, so he's making them a promise. Your, your empowerment is on the way. What you need most to be able to be successful in, in what I've called you into is on the way, and what you what must do is wait to be endued with that kind of power from on high. And, that, and he's promising them the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So 
Again, they've asked the wrong question, but he, say, he says, look, it, you're, you're going to get what you need. You're going to have power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses. And then every place where you go in the book of Acts, and there is a, a narrative which is speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit or, or, and, the, and the, um, the influence of the church is growing. The, the, the constant is always the work of the Holy Spirit. And Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke up and said, men and brethren, you know what I mean? Like everything is attributable to the Holy Spirit, not just to Peter, not just to James. Like these guys are just the, the players. But the real power, the real energy, the real dynamic of all of it, it was then and is now the Holy Spirit. And so that just simply prompts me to encourage us that we want to spend a little more energy and time, invest a little more energy and time into putting ourselves in the presence of God so that we can get to know this Holy Spirit better because the Holy Spirit is a real person. He's not a power. He's not, you know, like force from Star Trek or something like that. I, I think many people kind of think of the Holy Spirit in that fashion. You know, some kind of like, energy or force or something like that. But he is, uh, Jesus says, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will teach you all things. He will bring back to your remembrance. But he's using a, a male pronoun, right? He. So <coughs> that's true. And, th- and we'll examine this more and more to get more and more familiar with what scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit and how it is that our lives need to be um, under his guidance, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be under the influence that's, that's a great way of thinking it, about it. And, and Paul uses the same thing, doesn't he? Now we're, now we're preaching, watch out. No, but Paul does the, same, Paul does the very same thing, right? Because he says, don't be drunk with wine. All right, he's talking about being under the influence, right? And, and he's using that as the analogy for being filled with the Spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine, for that's, that's just a, an excess. But instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, in your hearts to the Lord, right? So rather than being under the influence of any number of things that are available in our world to be under the influence of, Scripture is recommending, Paul himself is recommending that I get under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's, and, and that's a cultivated thing. That's what's important. That's kind of why I'm laying this out. I'm just saying, like, this is something we want to, we want to walk into this because this is important for, for personal spiritual health and growth. It's important for, for, to have a, a broader understanding and grasp of the dynamics of what salvation is. We know what Jesus did. We need to know what the Holy Spirit is doing because he's the one who's doing it. He's the one who's driving the, this whole thing here. He started it, he reveals it, he incentivizes it, he motivates me in it, he equips me for it, he empowers us for All of this is due to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we would realize that the, the working of the Holy Spirit or the ministry of the Holy Spirit is um, every bit as effective as the ministry of the Lord Jesus was. Because before he leaves, he says, you know, it's better for you guys if I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit doesn't come. But if I leave, I'll be out of here and I will send back to you another comforter. And the, and the uh, 
Greek word, there are two Greek words for another. There's another of the same kind, and there's another of a different kind. He uses the word another of a different kind when he's writing kind of some strong language to the people in Galatians. He says, this is, you got another Jesus. You have another gospel. You have another spirit. In other words, what, you are, what people are sowing into your church is not the stuff I sowed. It's another thing, and it is another one of a radically different kind. And he said, that person, cut that off completely. Get rid of that, because that is a different Jesus. That's a different spirit. That's a different gospel. But when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying to them, I am going to send back to you another helper or another comforter. He will be just like me. So instead of there being one Jesus that we all would have to go and, and see, have to make an appointment and go see Jesus to get some counsel, or get some directions or advice or whatever. Now he just said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. It's going to be a personal mentor to every individual believer. That's why it's so important that we are understanding this and then seeking God in it. Seeking God for it or through it, right? Because this, this is a dynamic of spirituality which cannot just be, oh, okay, that's, I'm going to put that on the side somewhere. This is primary. This is, just like the word is. The word is primary. You won't grow in your faith with no knowledge of the word. You can still come to church. You're welcome to come here. You're, you're welcome to pay your tithe. We'll be happy to receive it. You know, but you won't grow dynamically in your faith if you don't know the word of God. And if we are not learning to grow into our relationship with the Holy Spirit and becoming more sensitive to his subtle working in our life. So that's what we're going to do for the next little while. <clears throat> so Danny jumped the gun on me on this one. All word, no spirit. You dry up. All spirit, no word. You blow up. Proper balance of word and spirit. You grow up. Okay. So the thing, so I want to transition now to, um, to take some time to teach and present and talk about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And this also gives me a golden opportunity to do something else, which I think is really, really needed be, uh, I believe we're coming into very, very, very difficult times. I do. I think the whole world, unless, unless God does something unusual, the whole world is going dark, okay? And it will just hate the light more and more. There is gonna be, there's going to be a real rejection. Again, unless something happens differently than what I'm seeing, the entire trend is that secularism is going to arise and grow, and people are going to be irate and angry against Christianity as they already are and see it as some kind of a thing that, that just um, binds up people and, and, and puts them in some kind of religious, you know, uh, straitjacket or something like that. And, <clears throat> and you've already got that kind of a... You, so you've got, you've got, well, you've got radical secularism. You've got, you've got radical sexuality. The heart and soul of the entire leftist progressive ideology is grounded in one fundamental thing that they are in pursuit of. Total f sexual freedom all the time. That's what the left wants. And because we cannot affirm that, sex between anybody, sex between everybody, 
all kinds of sexual activity. And we haven't seen the end of this yet. <clears throat> I'm not trying to get nutty here, but, <clears throat> but this, is, this has been the whole thing. This has been behind abortion. Okay, well, if you have a baby, you can't, you know, you can't be sexual anymore. Now you have to have a baby. Now you've got to raise a baby. No, 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 we, we, don't, they, we must keep abortion. Abortion is a woman's reproductive right and all this, all this silly nonsense. <clears throat> I realize I might be offending somebody in saying all of that, but it's just true. It has been this underlying thing that we want, the, mankind wants the right. It's kind of like takes you back to Psalm 2. Right? Why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth have set themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands away from us and cast their cords asunder. He that sits in the heaven will laugh. Right? The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and vex them. In other words, this has been the story of humanity, that humanity, we are the judges and the kings of the earth that are pictured there in Psalm 2. And we're just simply looking up to God and going, no, thank you. We don't want any of that. We don't want any God. We don't need any God. And so there's this world of rebellion. And what it's rebelling towards in our time is total and complete sexual freedom so that anybody can have sex with anybody they want to have anytime they want to have it. And the next thing that will be on the table will be things like pedophilia, which is already, it's on the, it's, it's on the table now, but it's just not being pushed. <clears throat> but this type of radical sexual expressiveness is <clears throat> a main driver in this entire ideology. <clears throat> so, so the, the, why I'm bringing that up is because I want to, as, as, this gives me the goal, a golden opportunity, as I said, to teach on a subject that I think we as a church really need to think about a lot more than we do right now and, and really need to dig into a lot more than we do right now. And that is that we have to remember what is the name of this one that has been sent to us to help us spiritually. He is the spirit of holiness. Let that think, let that, let's think about that. He is the spirit of holiness. Now, if Jesus said, I'm going to send back to you the spirit of adventure, <laughs> what would you expect? Hey, this is going to be a ride, right? Spirit of adventure, I'm on, I'm in. Bring it. Or if, if we said, well, there was a huge spirit of fear in West Milford yesterday because of this forest fire. What does that mean? It means a kind of a panic, a fear, right? So, so when we speak of the spirit of something, right, we, we speak of kind of like a general attitude of something that everybody is kind of subject to, right? Well, if he is the spirit of holiness, what should we be thinking about? Holiness, right? What is holiness? Now, this isn't something that we hear many messages on. <clears throat> it's not a popular thing to preach because we don't like holiness. We don't want holiness. We want freedom in the human sense. I want to do what I want when I want to do it with anybody I want to do it with. That's what we want down here on planet Earth. Holiness is being like separated to God. And, that, and that's what, and, and if there's anything that the Spirit of God is about, he is the Spirit of holiness. He's about gifts. 
He's about manifestations. He's about workings and tongues and prophecies. He's about all. He's about the word of God. All that stuff is in the domain of the Spirit of God. But if there is one thing that he's about, there's one thing that, that he wants to accomplish, it is to turn you and I into holy people, fully devoted to Jesus as Lord, and ready to risk anything and everything to be able to please God with our lives. That's what being, that's what we're called into, right? That is, that's what, that's what it, we have always been called to. That's what it, all, it has always been, to become a child, a born-again child of God. That he is, we are known as the ecclesia, or the called out, right? We are called out of a lost and broken and dying and wayward and sinful and rebellious world and called into him, into Christ himself. And in Christ, we find all the riches of wisdom and knowledge and glory. So, <clears throat> so that's about as far as I think we're going to take it for um, this Sunday morning. But that's, that, well, I'm laying that as a foundation. We want to be thinking about the Holy Spirit. So what I want to say is <clears throat> this week in your devotions and time when you just spend with the Lord, just put that on the table. Nobody has to get weird Nobody has to do any particular thing. It's just a matter of saying, Lord, I'm here. And I recognize that the Holy Spirit, I, I'm, I'm not in touch. Or, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going off the rails here with this habit or this behavior. Or, I, and I, I need the, the power of your Holy Spirit to keep me centered and focused because there's so much pressure that's pulling me away from this. My job and the, the, the environment of my job or maybe my friends or neighbors or family or whatever. It, there, there are pressures everywhere. The devil tries continuously to push us off this, this particular perch because if we, get, if we get grounded in holiness, um, it will result in fruitful Christian living. Amen. Grounded in holiness. And again, it's not, it's not, oh yeah, holiness. Come on, bring it up. Bring it, Pastor Steve. No, we tend to go like, oh, holiness. But holiness, if we, here's how we should think of it. I got five minutes. Here's how we should, we should think of holiness for the soul as we think of health for the body. Yeah. Right? Health for the body means your body's functioning, everything's working properly, and who doesn't want perfect health? How much money do we spend for perfect health or as perfect as we can possibly get it? Anything. We'll spend, it, re, it reminds me of, you know, a couple of years ago when we had the whole thing in 2020 with the cancer thing, and it was so, so bizarre for me because, you know, I'm, I'm working around the yard, and then all of a sudden I get this like weird little pain right down here under my rib cage. And I'm thinking, I must have damaged it. So I, I remember crawling around under the house, and I'm always doing some, some little type of project, but I was hurting here. I was hurting. I, when I'd go to sleep, I couldn't sleep. I just had this like weird sensation. I'm like, touch that. That's weird. Kept waiting for it to go away. Because, but there was just something wrong down there. And then as, as time went along, it just got more wrong and more wrong. I went to see a doctor and he had no clue. And then finally went to see my own oncologist who got it straightened out, thank God. But there, there was spiritual ill health. I wanted to get that thing like under, under control as rapidly as possible. The same thing is true. Sin is like spiritual soul sickness. It, it, it corrupts and contaminates our inward life. That's, and that's what God wants us to see, that any, any sin that we tolerate, any, any bad 
form of living or behavior that we, that we tolerate will ultimately become more and more and more of a corrupting and soul-destroying influence on the inside. And so that's why the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness is calling us out of that whole thing and into the fellowship of our Lord and Savior and into a life that is spirit, soulishly healthy. And when, when we are living a holy life, that is the highest form of soulish health that we will ever achieve. The more holiness comes into our life, the more healthy we will be in spirit and in soul. Now, you don't believe that. No, it's true. But that is true, that holiness is the barometer by which we will be able to predict spiritual health and well-being. So anyway, that's where we're going to go for a while. Shall we?